This is a Kitty Pod production. Rod Stewart sings the Canadian songbook will not be seen at this time, so that we may bring you a show that will utterly destroy the medium with which it is associated. If you're wondering why I did that little preemption, you won't have long to find out. In fact, I'm going to reveal it right now. But first, from Television City in Hollywood. Legend lives on from the Chippewa on down of the big lake they call Gitchagumi. The lake, it is said, never gives up her dead when the skies of November turn gloomy. With a load of iron ore, 26,000 tons more than the Edmund Fitzgerald weighed empty. Welcome to episode number 182 of the Keep It To Yourself podcast, the most above average podcast ever to hit your ear hole. My name, of course, and as always, is Jason Bullitt, and I'm coming to you once again from the rolling hills of Saratoga County, New York. Here we are in mid-May of 2023, and what's the topic of this episode, I hear you ask? Good question. I'm going to give you a good answer. Don't make look on it. I agree. Oh, get out of here, will you? Well, we're going to examine the link between autism and depression. found a couple of articles while doing my research, and I'll be showing those to you, or sharing them, really, in this episode. We're, this is Mental Health Awareness Month, after all. Before we get to that, it probably came to your notice that there was a slightly different version of the intro of this episode than what you're normally used to, and that was because since last I spoke and you listened, the world of popular music lost Gordon Lightfoot, a legendary Canadian singer. His heyday was in the 70s when he was cranking out hits like you know, Sundown, Carefree Highway, Rainy Day People. That helped get me through the pandemic, the worst of covid and, of course, the song you heard, which is my personal favorite off the tree, The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, based on a true story. He did take some license with it, though, but still a great song. Storytelling and song singing at its finest. So there you go right there. R.I.P. to a legend of popular music who came from north of the border. And also wanted to mention Bill Saluga, too. Guy came up with the character Raymond J. Johnson Jr. You can call me Ray and you can call me Jay, etc., etc. Remember hearing his episode of the late Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal podcast many years back. So just want to recognize two passings out the gate here. All right, now back to the happier stuff. We're going to get to the social media plugs. First up, there's the Keep It To Yourself Instagram page at Keep It To Yourself Podcast. Natch. And then there's also the Facebook page and the world's loneliest email, kitypod at gmail.com. So that's how you can communicate with me there, if you so wish. As I stated just moments ago, it is the middle of May 2023. And that means college graduations are set to take place in this part of the world. And I want to give a little shout out to the last class that will graduate under the name of Castleton University, and that'll be coming up this weekend as this episode drops. 
It'll be Vermont State University from July 1st onward. So I just want to congratulate my alma mater graduating their class of 2023, a good many of whom were born when I was wrapping up high school. So that makes me feel old right away. Where's the Geritol? In any event, let's get to the vanity portion of this episode. And we've had some stuff happen in the life of one J. Michael Bullitt since the last time I got to cast the pods. I'm going to start at the end of April, the end of Autism Awareness and Acceptance Month. I marked the end of the month by volunteering at my first ever road race. I've run 5Ks before. Okay, mostly walk, but you get it. I'm not exactly Usain Bolt. Actually, you just aren't. True, duly noted. Heckler helped me out. But anyway, back to the lecture at hand. I woke up earlier than I normally would get up on a Sunday morning. And after a quick breakfast, I'd taken a shower the night before, so I wouldn't rush myself too much. And made it to Mohawk Harbor out in Schenectady. Parked near the hotel in Rivers Casino, not a sponsor, and that's where the race took place, like Mohawk Harbor. I looked at the course map the night before, and they started out near the hotel, so that means you would like do a loop, you would go out back of the hotel and the casino twice, do a turnaround, and then my position was close to Erie Boulevard and Freeman's Bridge in Schenectady. And my job, as it was, the course marshal, was to wave this flag and make sure I kept the runners on the course. There were a couple of occasions that uh, some of the participants like, oh, were going to go on to Erie Boulevard. No, 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 no. You're supposed to stay on the, 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 the course here. And I weighed the flag this way, this way, this way. And thankfully, I was able to prevent disaster. So it was... A great time. The guy was the coordinator for all the marshals said I did a great job. He was riding the bike, so he was setting the pace for the runners, all the participants, and those walking. So I got done about, say, 10.35. I will say, but once the race had all but ended and the participants, for all intent and purpose, had made their way towards the finish line or out of my line of sight, I did have one incident I want to report here nothing serious but this drifter and i say that for want of a better term rolled up on me is like hey man you know putting the bite on me for some cash i'm like i don't understand so well i just gave him a dollar and that was it that could have been the end of my life right there that could have been my feeling okay tell me again how did jason die well he was volunteering at this 5k for autism awareness and acceptance when some drifter rolled up on him and he wouldn't give him the money and well, that was the end of the ball game. I don't know what else to tell you, son. Well, thankfully, the rest of the mid-morning, for what it was worth, wound up going up without incident. I walked back to my post as soon as the guy collected my vest and my little orange flag, which I waved to make sure I guided the runners to where they had to go. And it was quite the uh, affair there. I Part of the course... Well, it wasn't on city streets, thankfully, but it was on this uh, rail trail, and this was the property many years ago where these locomotives were built. So I saw one of the signs uh, between the big breaks of runners. I would just look at this little sign there like, oh, that's interesting. Like interpretive guys all throughout the trail. So cut through this mixed-use residential area and 
high-priced condominiums along the Mohawk. And there you go right there. So after this guy named Don, who's been calling me at most every Sunday, they have a little chat. You know, I wanted to do a book exchange with him for some time. Well, he didn't give me any, so far as I know, but no problem. I managed to offload a whole bunch of them on him, so cleared up space upstairs. Then I went into Rivers Casino, put $5 in a penny slot, gone. Just like the runners who wound up winning the race there at the 5K. So a great Sunday morning. A big shout-out to the volunteers and the Autism Society of the Greater Hudson Region and all the participants made for an enjoyable Sunday morning volunteering. I certainly appreciate it. Well, the following Wednesday, it was rather nice out and good weather to go out to Grafton Lake State Park. It was a bit of a drive, I will admit. I'll grant you that. But it was rather windy, too. So this French meetup group has gone back to in-person events. And now the right about the first, if not the second Saturday of the month, they're going to different spots around the capital region. I was at a coffee house in April. Well, this first Saturday in May saw me at Grafton Lake State Park in Rensselaer County, and there was a picnic. So they rented out this pavilion out near the lake. There was a beach nearby. Nobody was really going in the water, so far as I know. Okay, there were a few people. None of us did. I didn't even pack my bathing trunks, to be honest with you. All I had was sunscreen and bug spray, just in case we decided to take a hike. All we did was just chant and chew all the way to Waterloo, Belgium. Okay, not really. I don't know why I made that joke, but in any event, uh, there was lamb stew on offer. I told my dad, like, why did you have hamburgers, hot dogs? I wasn't imitating that heckler. No, no, I was imitating my dad. I said, well, it's lamb stew. Somebody made a tart. Uh, there was hors d'oeuvres. He almost couldn't believe what I was saying. I might as well have talked funny talk to him. But it was a good time. It was a little too windy, and it got warm at one point. I wore pants in case we were going to go hiking. You know, tick-borne diseases, thank you, climate change, uh, on the rise in this part of the country. Places where ticks weren't prevalent in recent years have, you know, there's cases skyrocketing now. I might be exaggerating, but there you go. So I want to be prepared. So that was about it. There had a good time. Not much to speak of. A lot of conversation. A lot of good food and good times as always. So there you go right there. Having good times like those is a good way, in my opinion, to stave off the main topic of what this episode is going to be. And we are in observance of Mental Health Awareness Month. We're going to take a deep dive. This is going off autism and mental illness in general well we're going to take a look at a mental illness which is comorbid with autism in circles and in many circles and that is depression and the link with autism spectrum disorder we'll get to that right now autism spectrum disorder and depression go together hand in glove it seems and doing my research here i am looking at an article from the Adult Autism Center of Lifetime Learning based out of Utah. And they say that individuals on the spectrum, autism that is, are four times as likely to experience depression throughout their lives. By the way, I promise you this, uh, you can read the articles for yourself. I'll post the links in the show notes. So you can read it for yourself and form your own opinions. Do not kill the messenger. 
The article also states that there is a crystal clear relationship between ASD and depression as these two conditions often co-occur or comorbid. They're often comorbid as the term here. There's still many known unknowns or something like that, RIP Donald Rumsfeld, when the aim is to try and get a handle on the relationship between autism and depression. For what has been sought out in the research or discovered really those who've done the research have investigated this connection based on the overlapping symptoms of autism and depression now before those on the spectrum who are grown-ups receive their diagnosis one of the first major concerns that come up is depression you guessed it which is why a mental health expert usually gets brought onto the case now, also the relationship may develop because of the situation they experience with life on the spectrum, the vagaries thereof. Those of us on the spectrum may be victims of bullying. They may realize that they are different from their peers. They may have a hard time making and maintaining meaningful friendships. I'm quoting the article now. And when it comes to social and various other life skills, they seem to have a hard time. Actually, they do have a hard time with it. Not to put a blanket statement, but there you have it right there. Now, what does the Valley Adult Autism Center of Lifetime Learning, or Valley Behavioral Health, if it's actually affiliated with? Well, there are some symptoms that are both present in ASD and in depression. And the article states that if you're a loved one of someone on the spectrum, you have to keep the following potential warning signs top of mind. They list the following, and I quote, low self-esteem, feelings of anxiety or worry, low motivation or a sudden loss of interest in activities, feelings of helplessness, changes in both appetite or weight, that means they gorge themselves or they, you know, they purge, you know, binge purge, all that stuff, like bulimia. Lack of energy, sleep disturbances, Social withdrawal, self-harm, and increase in obsession or repetitive behavior. So OCD comes lurking in there in one aspect. Now, autism and depression are also on equal footing in that they develop from a combination of environmental and genetic factors. However, researchers are still trying to get a handle to this day still about how much autism gets thrown into the mix. And they have some figures there that uh, I'll try and clip my way through this. Uh, unaffected siblings of people with autism who share about half their genetic info and half siblings who share 25% Natch face a increased risk of depression and risk to 40% compared to the general populace. So that would suggest family factors play a role, including genes and household environment. Going back to the main topic of this paragraph and moreover those with autism are two and a half times more likely to have depression compared to their nt siblings so that would also suggest that something is likely occurring beyond the bounds of genetics and family households so researchers are going to go on for a while about trying to find the link here they're also trying to discover according to the article what places individuals with autism at a higher risk some say genetics, others lean towards, well, 
life experience like bullying and social problems that I mentioned just moments ago. Now, you think it's hard for those who are NTs to try and overcome depression and lift themselves out of it? Those of us on the autism spectrum are have a doubly difficult time trying to live with it too. There's a woman on here. I, by the way, I put the link in the show notes so you can read this for yourself. This is a woman by the name of Erin Clemens. And she wrote on a blog for the Organization for Autism Research about how uh, it's a brief, it's not it's a brief article. It's like a brief little opinion piece. It's not very long. So I'm going to read it in her voice. Ms. Clemens says, being on the autism spectrum affects my life in many ways. Having the official diagnosis has helped many people understand me better. They are more patient with me when I'm feeling overwhelmed or overstimulated, and they realize I may struggle with communication. Ms. Clemens states further, the diagnosis has also allowed me to better understand myself. I know I tend to need more breaks, and if I push myself too hard, I'll have a meltdown. I can trust that I'll remember most things with my nearly photographic memory, but I understand I can't expect others to remember the same things and must be patient with them. Plus, I realize that while I'm a social butterfly, I still have a lot to learn about social skills, and sometimes I need a break from people. This isn't the end of the article, but I just wanted to interject here and say I feel the same way too when it comes to being on the spectrum. The device which I'm using to record this episode and get it out to you is usually the main culprit. When it comes to that sort of thing. It's also like a place of refuge when like, all right, well, nobody's really talking, so I'll just bust this out. And we'll see from there until I think it's time to head back to the old Ponderosa. Well, we're to the meat of the topic here. This little editorial piece from Aaron Clemens, and she continues on. However, I am also dealing with depression, and as someone on the autism spectrum, depression can be debilitating for me. Yes, it's really difficult to separate the symptoms. It can be hard to tell whether my inability to do work is coming from being overstimulated due to the autism or if it's the start of the next wave of depression. When I'm feeling frustrated with a task, is it simply because I'm not understanding it properly? Or perhaps I'm just too tired to concentrate because of my mood? Sometimes I need a break from people, but is it because I'm overwhelmed? Because if I'm depressed, I feel I should push myself to be social. I try to take breaks when I need them, but when I'm getting depressed, a meltdown is nearly unavoidable. Depression is difficult for me as someone on the autism spectrum. It manifests itself in unique ways, and it can become confusing and exhausting. The important thing I have to remember is to be kind to myself. Each time, I eventually realize I'm struggling with an episode of depression. I hope others can remember this too. And there ends the editorial piece. My guess is that Aaron, actually my opinion is that Aaron is speaking for a number of us on the spectrum who also have depression or symptoms thereof. I'm not diagnosed with depression, at least not officially, but I have been diagnosed with what's now high-functioning autism since I was about four years old. And I've not been, like I said, I've not been diagnosed with depression, not in official capacity anyway, but I have showed signs before. You know, there have been times in my life where I mean, I got to give myself a pat on the back for getting myself out of bed and you know, going to live life, you know, going to work, getting out there, 
meeting people, doing things, all that stuff. All that. And it take, it's like tyranny of the will in these cases to actually go live life the way it was meant to be lived. You know, work hard, enjoy time with family, enjoy time with friends, all that sort of thing. And sometimes it can be a challenge. Sometimes it's easy to get out of bed and get myself motivated to, you know, go do the bit. Now, recently, I've been trying to tackle that sort of thing by getting some exercise. Many people, or many of those in the medical field would say that you do well on the spectrum to go and get some exercise. So I've been going most days out of the week to take a walk around my neighborhood. And I do two laps. I used to do just one. It would take me 15 minutes. But now I'm pushing the envelope to go around the neighborhood twice. Those muscles are really barking, man. With my hamstrings, especially when I go back and sit down on the couch here in the living room at Bullet House after t going a mile and a half. By my measurements, about three quarters of a mile when you do one loop the route I take. Two of them, boom, that's a mile and a half right there. So or you do a grand tour, you go another part of the subdivision. I did that once. That was a mile and three quarters. I almost walked two miles. All that is to say that exercise of one sort or another is one way to mitigate the effects of depression or the symptoms thereof, whether you're on the spectrum or not. According to the National Autistic Society out of the UK, they have some pointers and advice of what to do when you want to mitigate the effects of depression while you're on the spectrum. Now, the old saying goes, different strokes for different folks. You know, what works for one person isn't going to necessarily work for another. Now, those on the spectrum who were interviewed, there was some advice on what helped them get through depression, or at least deal with it. One said, try to have some structure and routine in your life. You know, me having a job is one way of doing it. Spend time with family and friends. I do that on the regs. Try to exercise regularly. I mentioned that just moments ago. It doesn't need to be really energetic. A walk in the park can help. Or walk around the neighborhood, as I already mentioned. Or if the weather's too crappy, you don't want to do it. There's this channel I subscribed to on YouTube recently called Movement with Meaning. And there's this woman who, I think this was during the pandemic. You know, She went in her house, or probably down her basement, and she filmed these workouts that are autism-friendly. It's not very energetic. It's not like high-impact aerobics or calisthenics or anything of the sort. But it does have the task or the express purpose of getting you active. And I do those to start the day whenever A, I'm pressed for time, or B, it's just too crappy out to go do my walk. You know, you can do these workouts in a chair. You know, I can do these standing up. Or I take a blanket off the couch or one of the blankets, and I use it as a kayfabe exercise mat. For that way, I can have something to lie instead of the carpet when I do workouts that require me to be on my back. So there's that. Also, going back to the article, give yourself extra time to complete tasks. Accept that some things will take longer, in the words of Stuart Smalley, and that's okay. Also, spend time on activities you find calming and relaxing. This could be listening to music, watching TV, gardening, 
one thing or another like that. Anything that puts you in a good mood could certainly help you out in that regard. Like, you know, watching Mystery Science Theater 3000, you know, comedy, funny shows like that. Sure helps me out. So there you go right there. So if you're on the spectrum and you're having depressive symptoms or you're finding depression, there's hope for you out there. You know, there's some ways to mitigate the symptoms, you know, like exercise, having structure in your life, spending time with those you love. But I also want to say that there's also times that you'll want to talk to somebody. So a trusted friend or a family member can really be a great sounding board. Uh, and I mentioned this because my mom was one of those people. God rest her soul. R.I.P. Lois Bullet. Recording this and this episode is dropping on Mother's Day weekend. So I'm remembering her. This is my seventh Mother's Day without her. It just doesn't seem real, does it? And if you yourself are experiencing self-harm or you want to commit it or you know somebody who is just and you're in the United States this new number called 988 you can call that number 24-7 people are standing by to take your call and try and talk you off the ledge as it were and there's also 741741 if you really don't want to chat with someone on the phone you can get a little text message chain going and have your conversation that way so I am here to help. I'm here to help give you some pointers in that regard. And hopefully you'll be able to manage things the way they ought to be managed. All right, we've made it to the end of this episode. But before we do, let's get to some pod shout outs here. First up, Greens from Allentown, GFA Live. Peter Winston and Keith Langston did a live watch of an episode of WWF Superstars that aired December 10th, 1988. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at GF Allentown Pod. And check out Peter Winston's YouTube channel, too. Lots of interesting stuff there. The sportscaster Steve Bennett talked with Jack Curry of the Yes Network. He wrote this book about the 1998 World Series champion Yankees team. And Kirk McKnight also got in on the fun as well. You can follow Steve Bennett at sports underscore casters on Twitter and the sportscasters on Instagram. The Break It Down Show, the highlight from Pete A. Turner, the return of the album fights, and this was the first of two fights, Songs of Surrender, this new compilation album that came out, re-recordings of some of the greatest songs that U2 has ever produced, and U2 is one of my favorite bands of all time. I think I'll probably forgive him for 2014, you know, the time that that album dropped on everybody's iPhones, iPads, iWhatever's without any advance notice or warning or something to that effect. But anyway, there and anyhow, you can follow the podcast at Break It Down Show across all your social media and the host of same at Pete A. Turner. Now, a little change in one of the podcast titles, the Anderson Center, their podcast and their public affairs radio show in the Hudson Valley was originally called 1 in 44, but now... It's 1 in 36, given how much more prevalent autism is around here nowadays. So I'm putting my notes as the Anderson Center podcast. But the first episode with the new title of 1 in 36, formerly 1 in 44, and other things too, I had to imagine. Alex Prisgintas, he wasn't a 
business owner or somebody doing well in the community. He's somebody on the spectrum, just like yours truly. And as can be expected, a wide variety of topics were discussed. You can follow the Anderson Center for Autism at Anderson Autism on Twitter and Anderson Center for Autism on Instagram. And finally, the Loyal Littles podcast, Chuck and Roxy at Chris Ullman and Larry Marshall to talk all things Tony Kornheiser show and Littles and whatnot. You can follow the podcast at Loyal Littles Pod on Twitter and the Loyal Littles Podcast on Instagram. As for this here dog and pony show, we're available on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, and name podcatcher here. If said podcatcher does not have this show available, got a little trick for you. Take the RSS feed from the show notes, copy it, paste it onto your podcatcher, you're good to go. If said podcatcher has rating and or review capabilities, do yours truly a solid and do a five-star rating and a good wrap. I would certainly appreciate it and thank you in advance for all that. All right, it's now time for one more thing. And in this commentary piece, I do one of two things. I either circle back to what I discussed in the buy of the episode or I talk about something else entirely. In this case, it's the latter, and it's a rather sad but timely subject. If you've watched the news for any length of time during this year, 2023, the words mass shooting has come up as the top story of the nightly news most every time this year. When has it not, is what I'm trying to say. In the year 2023, there have been shootings at various places where people gather on a regular basis. Most recently, there was a shooting at an outlet mall in Allen, Texas. Eight people died. The shooter, I won't count the gunman because he was a real POS what did it. There was also a shooting at a school in Nashville, and there are countless other places. It's hard to keep track of them all. It's gotten to that point. In fact, I'm looking at this website from the Gun Violence Archive. It said, so far in this year, 2023, there have been 15,000 plus gun violence deaths. Almost half of which were homicide, murder, or unintentional, or anything of that nature. But the eye-popping number is that there have been 213 mass shootings in 2023, and we're not even to the halfway point of this year. It's just become like a doom loop of lather, rinse, repeat, or blather, rinse, repeat. You know, news comes out of a shooting. We all express our shock or whatever constituted these days. You know, we support the victims. Politicians come in, you know, President Biden, Congress, one thing or remember, one thing or another like that, express their condolences. Then, you know, things are forgotten and we just move on. Then the next shooting happens and we're in the shit all over again. Pardon my language. But as somebody who thankfully has never seen a act of violence like this in his lifetime and hopes not to, and really doesn't want anything to do with guns or firearms or anything of that nature, I'm just somebody who is just, you know, just getting sick and tired of hearing about these mass shootings when he watches the news every day. Now, you know, like when it's just me at the house, I don't really put the news on. I'll just watch it to put on the weather forecast, see what it's going to do that day. But that's all by the by. The point is, 
We've been through this cycle long enough, and I don't know what in heaven's name it's going to take to get some kind of handle on this thing. I did hear it was like, you know, people are getting back out with the, you know, COVID restrictions being lifted and all that stuff. People are getting back out there, and mass shootings are back on the rise. They have been for some time. This isn't a new phenomenon. This has been going on for years. This is one of those instances where you have to ask for yourself, is this a new phenomenon or has this been going on for years? It's just we're hearing so much about it that the factors are such that these are happening at an alarming rate. I'm not the most well-versed authority on this, but I do want to say that as somebody who's seen enough tragedy on his TV screen or read about it on social media, etc., etc., I just have one thing to say to those in power. Get off your duffs and let's get some meaningful legislation going. Let's end this one for all. At least call the factors or mitigate them that cause these things. As strangled as my speech was, I'm going to get off my soapbox now and I'm going to end this episode right here now. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. Bye.